0: Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker.
1: Unique pleasure to introduce a good friend, a young man that to say we've known each other for quite a while is kind of an understatement. I met Andy when he came to our campus at UNLV to be one of our swimmers as a freshman. And to put it in perspective, his oldest son just graduated from college, so you do the math. And he had a great career swimming for us. Went, o- went on to be chosen by his teammates to be team captain. And coach and I trying to remember that we think that he was also selected by his teammates as the most inspirational swimmer on the team. <laughs> he went on to work with uh, Coach Dwayne Knight, the golf coach at UNLV, was renowned recruiter for them, did a wonderful job, and is it called the Presidential Cup, the college uh, Palmer Cup, Palmer Cup, when um, golfers, collegiate golfers from the U.S. play against collegiate golfers from Europe, and he was selected as the co-coach, the assistant coach to that squad. Following that career, he ultimately ended up most recently at the Animal Foundation is their uh, development director and did a yeoman's job there. They're in great shape because of his work. And then, is it two and a half years ago? Uh, the Boys and Girls Club of Southern Nevada, struggling, chose Andy to become their CEO. And what he has done has been nothing shy of amazing, and I'll let him tell you the story. Andy Bischel.
2: That's what happens when someone knows you too well. So good afternoon. I'm gonna start with a quote. And see This resonates with everybody. Children now love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders love chatter in place of exercise. Children now are tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company and tyrannize their teachers. Someone blew it. So that quote is attributed to Socrates. Right, 400 B.C. So the reason I picked that is perspective, right? Everything needs to be accepted in perspective. And ultimately, what we need for our youth is patience. Uh, patience at school. Patience at home. Parent of two boys, Yes patients, but also in the, uh, the after-school space. That's where the Boys and Girls Club operates. So Boys and Girls Club of Southern Nevada is a relatively new organization with that title. So we are about to celebrate our 60th year as an organization in this valley, uh, but there were two organizations, Boys and Girls Club Henderson, Boys and Girls Club Vegas. Uh, In 2015, late 2015, they merged into the one organization of Southern Nevada. uh, And I got picked to come over and lead that organization forward. Uh, Did a lot of things and and created a lot of a a launch pad, really. So same mission, operating in two communities that are really one, uh, just really helped clean up the donor confusion of, play in my golf tournament. Oh, I just played in your golf tournament. No, that was Henderson, not Vegas. Really? That's not what we want. We want to create a synergized um, admin staff so that we maximize the dollars we can get to give directly to kids and create that programming for them. So what I want to uh, touch on are some of the, the really key components of Boys and Girls Club. Ultimately, what we are shooting for, and it's in our mission, productive, caring, responsible citizens. Productive, caring, responsible citizens. Ultimately, that's what we want for ourselves, for our kids, for our communities. Uh, and that is, that is our mission to deliver it. And we focus on really three key categories, uh, academic success, character and leadership, and healthy lifestyles. So when you think of Boys and Girls Club, I think a lot of you think of a big gym, kids come in, have fun, stay safe. But We go deeper. Uh, in particular, where we really want to focus is that academic success. So we are serving about 20,000 youth uh, throughout the valley, ages five to 18. That's a wide variety. Right, we are actually open more often than schools. So we serve these kids from ages five to eighteen, and our motto is, "When school's out, we're in." So that is, we are operating eleven hours during the day and for summer, which started Tuesday for us. So we will operate for twelve weeks, uh, eleven-hour days. You can imagine what that strain puts on our staff uh, but ultimately the staff is the key uh, and, and I w- we have a, a, a name for our staff they are youth development professionals they're not teachers they're not coaches they're youth development professionals and we want to treat them as professionals we don't want this to be a stepping-stone job for them If this is what they love, and they love working with youth, then we want to retain them. And we want to create careers for them. Because ultimately, we can have the finest buildings and all the money in the world, but if we don't have someone to deliver those programs to our kids, we have nothing. And really what you're doing, when you think back to your youth, There were certain people in your youth that stood out to you. It could have been a coach, could have been a teacher, could have been an art instructor, musician, musical instructor. That's what Boys and Girls Club does. That's what our youth development professionals provide to those kids in the areas, the neighborhoods that we serve. So we have 14 clubhouses throughout the community. Um, And for the most part, really in the central part of the valley, Um, all the way from uh, our biggest facilities, the LEED Athletic, uh, the LEED Complex, which is Sahara and Lindell, Sahara and Decatur, Um, and our other big one is at Robindale and Eastern, Uh, but the other 14 are spread out throughout the, the community. So what we are looking for really is to build and retain those youth development professionals. When we merged, it was an opportunity to push a reset button. It was to really focus on programming. What, what is the programming that we're delivering and are we meeting those expectations? Are we getting our graduation rate? I'm really happy to report 92% graduation rate for our kids. And what that really does is when you think about a teen population, so that's our teens for us are 13 to 18. Teens check themselves in and out of the Boys and Girls Club. So what that means is they're making the conscious choice each day to walk through those doors and be subjected to expectations from our youth development professionals. An expectation to graduate from high school. An expectation to be a good citizen. And an expectation to demonstrate a healthy lifestyle. And we don't try to hide anything. We do the whole sex ed. We, We have to really, we have to talk to these kids directly. Again, that's that patience. You have to have that open line of communication. And you have to talk about the hard stuff. If you expect them, in some of the neighborhoods that we operate, To make those hard choices, we have to make the equal hard choice of not sugarcoating anything. They come from difficult family situations, difficult home lives. We have to deal with those and really be there for them. And that's where when when I was looking at that quote this morning, it is patience, but it's also about listening. You have to listen to kids. Everybody wants a voice right? I think it is the political discord in this country. We're not listening to each other. We have to we have to walk that talk for our kids. If we really want to help them and get them through we've got to let them have a voice. That's where that character and leadership comes through in our programming. We also want to really measure what we're doing. Um, Certainly donors are, are They want to know the funds that they're giving you. How how are you making a difference in the community? What are are the key statistics that you're developing to demonstrate your capacity to deliver those programs? So quantity is fairly easy. Like that graduation rate, that's really easy for me to calculate. Of those, 60% are going on to uh, secondary education or military service. What we want to address is what about the other 40%? I don't want to write them off. At 18 you're no longer our problem. How do we create workforce development programs to get those kids into skilled jobs? And this community is dying for skilled labor right now. And we want to put our kids in the best position. Now we're really attractive to those organizations offering uh, job discovery programs because they demonstrate character and leadership, they're getting their high school diplomas, so they're ready to go into those programs. So we're looking for partners and starting to gain partners in that space as well. Some of the other pieces are harder to measure, quality. How do you measure quality? It's difficult, it's hard to put a number on it. Where we have an advantage as the Boys and Girls Club is we are an independent 501c3, so we're locally um, supervised by a board of directors and we make decisions for ourselves, but we also have a national component so we don't have to make this stuff up. We can go to a source that has, there are 4,000 Boys and Girls Club organizations uh, throughout the country that we can lean on to get expertise uh, and they also can help us work through those really difficult pieces of quality. So how we measure quality is National Youth Index Outcomes Index, NYOY. It's a national uh, vetted organization and we do surveys with our kids each year. And what we're really focused on right now um, for our quality measurements is emotional safety sense of belonging, and conflict resolution. So when you look at those three components, hard to measure, but you're gonna get that feedback, okay, once a year. We're gonna do, we do token polling with the kids every day. So we deliver a program on emotional safety. Do you feel safe in the club? Do you feel safe at home? Do you feel safe walking from your home to the school? Do you feel safe at school? Those kind of questions, and we have two bins. Every kid gets a token, again, giving them voice, so they get to answer those questions on the way out the door. It's anonymous, but it's a way for us to measure that quality. When we look at those three components of emotional safety, sense of belonging, and conflict resolution, if you look at everything that we're trying to accomplish in the schools, if you feel safe and you feel part of the group, you can start to learn. So if we can get to those and really have dialogue again talk to them about it consistently and you talk to a five-year-old way different than you talk to a 13-year-old. We all know that. So it is getting those programs to talk to these kids in their language, get their feedback from them so that they become, they find a place where they feel safe, they have a voice, they feel part of the group, we teach them how to get through conflict resolution. It is not easy. It is not easy, and I've watched this happen uh, in clubs where, you know, two kids to staff. It doesn't matter. It's how do you work through differing opinions to really get to a resolution and somewhere you both can operate in the same space. So those are those are things that we're really trying to tackle. They're not easy. They won't be handled quickly, but we can't ignore it. We have to do it. If you look at the situations in, with, with gun safety in schools, if we can get them to conflict resolution, giving them a voice, if you look at the individuals that are coming out of that with the anger, part of that is no one's listening to them so let's get let's give them an opportunity to talk and work through some of their big issues so one of the things we we have an opportunity to um, advance that portion is the we're going to move into the counseling space um, and there's very few organizations in this community that offer counseling to kids um and and the reason we're going into it is fits in with where we're going with our programming, um, but also it's, it's too vital to ignore. So we are working currently we have a, um, our director of operations just got her masters in counseling. I didn't want to lose her to a counseling job so I figured out how to keep her and integrate that counseling right into our, right into our clubs and eventually we'd like to have one counselor in every single club. We'll be able to do that. It actually has a funding stream behind it because we can start doing um, different uh, Medicaid and insurance billing, So it actually has a sustainable uh, funding component to it. When you're talking nonprofits, you always have to look at what is sustainable. Don't bring anything on you can't sustain for the long haul. So those are the areas that we're really focused on. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, but as I talk to groups around town, I can see people are nodding their heads. This is work we can't ignore. Uh, it's, it's work we need to do. Um, and we're, We'll be ready for growth, but I don't wanna grow until I can really demonstrate uh, that competency and that impact. So uh, we're really working to, again, retain our best employees, is very important. Uh, Those kids crave consistency in the neighborhoods they grow up in, we're the most consistent thing they have. Teachers change year to year, Um, home life uh, can change dramatically quickly Uh, so we want to be that consistent place for them. So I think I've kind of rambled on a bit but I wanted to give you a comprehensive look of really you know, where we are, what our challenges are, how we're tackling them, um, and I'll open it up for any questions. Yes, sir? Andy, congratulations on your new position. Thank you. Uh, I noticed in the Hispanic part here, mm-hmm. there isn't much representation, for a is that because of the language barrier? Or that no, uh, you know what's interesting about that is the other. Uh, so we're 20 percent all the way around uh, African-American, white, Hispanic, and then 20% is other. Uh, we're seeing a lot of mixed race. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's interesting and it's new. Um, so I, and, and you'll also see the ethnicities break down to neighborhoods. Um, very strong uh, Hispanic neighborhoods down in the downtown area. Uh, we have four clubs down there. Um, Obviously, the Agassiz Club at uh, MLK in Washington is a very uh, African-American uh, community. Um, and then it it's it's a mix. I mean, that's that's really what we're seeing. Yes, sir. You have a
1: volunteer component, and so how do you integrate them into this right. counseling, this coaching, this
2: mentoring process? Absolutely. So the question was uh, <laughs> volunteering. So volunteering's a little bit, tricky for us, right? It's called background checks. I've got to do one on everybody and they're expensive. So the volunteering has to be consistent, uh, has to be organized. Um, I will be honest, we're not very good at it right now. Uh, one of the ways to volunteer and, and really make an impact is to take a board seat. Um, sometimes you know, that's, you're in the right place for that, sometimes you're not. Um, but um, we, do, we do homework help with the kids um, Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday during the school year. So we do at least an hour of homework help. We hire tutors and staff. We basically shut down the clubs and do homework help. Um, so that's a place to volunteer. Again, if you can demonstrate, you can give us consistent, then the background checks are well worth it. And, and we'll make, um, we actually have a, a great program through the education department at UNLV. Uh, we actually have a Boys and Girls Club right on campus, so uh, that's, that's one of the ways that uh, we've, we've been able to integrate them, but volunteerism, we're still kind of working on that component, but if you want to volunteer, we have different events uh, that we do throughout the year. That's a way to do it without you know getting, committing to a long-term uh, commitment, uh, those kind of things.
1: Andy, you've, uh, there's a little bit of a departure from the topic, but the financial picture at the Boys and Girls Club has changed dramatically under okay. your uh, leadership. And can you share a little bit about that?
2: Sure. We're, we're a $7 million annual uh, budget. Um, we, we were six when I started uh, two years ago. Um, our, our budget is broken down into roughly thirds. Uh, a third of it comes from uh, state, federal, municipal funding, so p- uh, public funding. Um, a third of it comes from our programmatic revenue. So we have uh, 14 facilities, we own nine of them. Uh, so we have, for example, the the, the lead uh, club is 77,000 square feet. Uh, so we have big gyms that we can lease out and we can, uh, we have basketball leagues that, that, you know, rent that space. Um, we also have program fees at our clubs. So it's a 35 annual uh, membership for the Boys and Girls Club. Um, we have fees because we want the parents to demonstrate that there's a value to our services. And if you offer it for free, we find they don't value it. So we want to put something on it. And our... Motto is we just don't turn anybody away, we will find a way, again a lot of that, that federal funding uh, if, if the household income qualifies then the, it pays for all fees um, and then we do scholarships as well so uh, again the fees are really a, a way to for us to make sure there's value from the parents.
1: Prerequisite or criteria for these um,
2: youth development professionals? Who are they? You know, it's interesting. Um, it's it's everybody, <laughs> literally. Uh, it is not an easy job. Um, you know, to to oversee. We're we're roughly a twenty-five to one ratio. Our ratios are high. We want them to be high. It's part of the Boys and Girls Club um, programming because we want peer-led programming so our staff is there to initiate but we want leaders at all levels at all ages to step up and actually run those different programs we're there as staff to guide them and get them through but ultimately if we're going to build character and leadership that's where it comes from it comes from letting kids lead giving them a voice giving them an opportunity to lead someone even when they're not ready, right? Give them a chance, let them learn that situation uh, and, and be there as staff to, to uh, support them. But they really come from everywhere. Um, they're, they're not there for the money, I will tell you that. Um, but they care, they care deeply about their clubs, they care deeply about their kids. A lot of them come up through the club system, either in the valley or from outside um, that was the defining place for them as, as kids and they want to reciprocate and give that back. Um, and again, it's, it's important for me in a leadership role to give them an opportunity. If that's what they love, why wouldn't I pay someone to, to take a passion job? I want that, I want that. So um, some of them come from education backgrounds and those kind of things, but it really can come from anywhere. Yes, sir.
3: Thanks for coming and talk to us. Um, I just want to, first of all, tell you that this club supports the Boys and Girls Clubs tremendously with our Santa Claus program. We have about 100 kids each year that shop with us at Christmas time. I want to say thank you for coming and telling us about all the different services because my last part is a testimonial. I was a Boys and Girls Club member for many years when I was a child, probably from about age 8 to 13 or so. Spent a lot of my school days during the week going after school at about 2.30 till about 6 o'clock at night at our local boys clubs. My mom and dad both worked and there was six of us and we, had con- we needed conflict resolution with my five, four brothers and one <laughs> sister first of all but you're right, I mean uh, we were in a, in a little bit of a rough neighborhood and the boys and girls club wasn't just a gymnasium. I went there, played a lot of basketball but there was arts and crafts, there was a library, uh, we went on field trips. Uh, there's countless extra ways and the people there were very caring and I just want to say thank you to the Boys and Girls Club and let everybody know that it's a much bigger and better place than just a gym. So thanks for sharing all of those thank things. Thank you.
2: <laughs> you. You stole my closing because that was going to be the thank you on Santa Claus because that is, I, I got to tell you, that is, that's a competitive thing right there. So we really reward our you know, those families that, that demonstrate that it matters, right? That, that they appreciate the things that Boys and Girls Club gets them and, and same for the kids. So thank you all for supporting that and have for years well before me, so thank you.
1: Uh, Andy, how do you handle the uh, children of illegals?
2: Tricky, really tricky, it is. Um, we've actually just partnered with uh, Legal Aid Um, and to start to so the undocumented trust us right and it's and it's tough because they don't give out their trust very easy but we have their kids right so if they're willing to bring their kids to us um, and a lot of our clubhouse directors are from either those neighborhoods or grew up in those neighborhoods they understand how to talk to their parents make them feel safe, and it's really for us, we wanna be a safe place for their kids. That's ultimately what we need to do. Um, And then, you know, if they come to us for guidance, then we can pass them off to legal aid so that they can seek a legal way to actually gain citizenship. It's tricky, it really is. It's it's one of the things, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So we had a kid, he was on um, a teen, he was Juan, and he, he came to us with community service work. So the only, we, we take community service workers, but teens, uh, give them an opportunity. If, they, if they'll demonstrate that they'll do the work, uh, we'll keep them. If they look like they just want to take a break, then we get rid of them. But Juan came as a, he had gotten some trouble, Uh, was in the juvenile justice system came to us for for community service and showed up every day did his work his community service was up kept showing up kept working whatever you need whatever you need we'll do it got him to graduate and he was severely credit deficient but he worked at it and he committed to it Um, he's an incredible artist I mean, an incredible artist. And I wanted to hire him for an art job. I can't. He's undocumented. Right? So, I get it. There's two sides to every issue. You want to help these kids, especially the ones that demonstrate, um, you know, the good citizenship, right? Um, But it's tricky. I, I can't help the kid. He's 18. He's aged out of... The DACA program. No one wants to go into that now, anyway. Uh, so it's just a it's it's a tricky situation. Sorry, someone else had a question. Uh, the, Absolutely, that's that emotional safety, right, and sense of belonging. So uh, another um, experience that we just had. We we had we had a a young man come out to his, his clubhouse director. He identifies as a female, right? He comes from a Filipino household. He cannot go home and talk to his parents about it, right? But he felt comfortable enough talking to our clubhouse director because that's where he feels safe. And it is creating that emotional safety so that someone can talk about the things that may not even be comfortable talking about with their friends. So it is creating that trust between our youth development professionals and the kids that we have, and then providing them an opportunity to find themselves and identify themselves in, in any different way. But certainly you know, the, the bullying thing is, yeah, it's just really not tolerated and um, we talk about it a lot. So that's, that's how we address it. Thank you all. Because I opened with a quote, I do want to close with a quote. It's easier to build strong people than to repair broken men. Frederick Douglass.
1: Thank you. Andy, thank you. I championed to get Andy here for obvious reasons. Um, Andy, we present you with this certificate which shows that we will be serving a meal to a needy vet in your name, and we appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. 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 Michael had a professional uh, appointment that he had to run off to, so I have been left with the responsibility to close this meeting, and apparently he who serves best, or serves first, serves best, right? Or something along those lines. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.